Amen. All right. So one of the most fascinating uh, aspects of the angel's arrival and announcement of, of this, like, heaven's king, God is here, is the fact that it, they, the angels show up to shepherds. Okay. It's fascinating for a few reasons. So, um, all the kind of first century literature we have from Jesus' times about shepherding and shepherds tell us that shepherds, in fact, in that time period, you know, they weren't as cute as our kids are in plays. They were actually, uh, in that culture, known as like the outcasts. They were the dishonest, the immoral. And so just the fact that the angels are appearing to announce heaven's king to shepherds is fascinating. I mean, it does tell us about the kind of Messiah that would come. He would come for the ordinary and the broken. But if you're, if you're maybe a family member who's not a Christian, uh, it's really fascinating because think about it this way. If you were, uh, you know, going to, let's say you're going to make a, make up Christianity. You're going to make up a faith or start a religion, especially in that time period. The last thing you would record to get your religion off the ground is having your king show up to shepherds. I mean, you just wouldn't write that. If anything, um, whether it's Homer's Iliad or, you know, other legends we have in that time period, kings would go to kings. The battles would be high. They would never be like to lowly shepherds. And so it's just, you know, just something to think about. It's fascinating. You wouldn't write that um, unless it happened, like unless you were, you were recording something you saw. And uh, it is interesting of all the manuscripts we have of the New Testament, uh, the Gospels, lots of scholars today now are pointing out that they don't read anything like the first century documents. They actually read like eyewitness accounts. Uh, and so just, it, just if you're not a Christian, just something to think about because I want to I wanna just unpack from you from the authority of the scriptures of, that, we, that we have um, the reality of Christmas. Like this really happened. And so I'm going to tell you that it really happened, but just, just it's fascinating. Okay, Christina read wonderfully. Um, so the glory of the Lord, we're talking about the angel song now, okay? So the glory of the Lord shows up, lights up the sky. Um, and and the, all these shepherds are there. And here's what they say. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. This is really exciting. Christianity um, is wonderfully inclusive. I mean, the angels show up and say, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what your record is, you can unite with God by faith. You can be brought into his family. You can be welcomed in. See, all the other religions of that day said, if you want to have God or go to God, here's what you need to do. The angels show up and they're like, no, 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 he's coming a person. If you just take hold of this person, you believe, grab him. You have a savior. So they say, for unto you all is born this day in the city of David, a savior. Now, you gotta imagine this with me. So like, just like imagine the angels like leaving heaven going, oh my goodness. Cause they would have spent, I don't know how long, cause we don't know when they were created from when we were created, but they were with this eternal being who's one God who exists in three persons. So the second member of the Trinity, the Bible teaches what was, was somehow miraculously by the spirit put in the fetus of a Virgin Mary, had the same gestation period of, more, of a normal birth and the birth process and was born. So if you're an angel, you're going like, oh my goodness, like he who created the world is now in a baby. And you're, where are we going? Let's go. Where are we going? Rome? We're going to go to the king? God's like, you're going to the shepherds. The shepherds, that's, that's, who cares? This is exciting, let's go. So they go 
and they show up. And this would have been, what, what you need to hear is the sense here behind the angel's announcement is not, they're not like wishful. They're not like, I hope it's good news. This is, this will happen. This is happening. Um, let me say it this way. Good news is, is not something the angels say you do. Like good news is not something, here's what you need to do, shepherds, uh, to come into relationship with God. No, they're announcing something's happening right now and you need to go see something's being accomplished for you. It's being worked out for you. And it's important to know, especially if you're like, I don't know about Christianity or Jesus, but it's good to know that Jesus, um, he never said things like, you know, have faith in God like I have faith in God. Uh, he, he, he would say things have, like, have faith in me. Like I'm the way, the truth and the life. At one point, um, the religious leaders, they come to him in John six and they say, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in me. So Jesus is procuring salvation. This is what Christians believe. He is in our place doing something for us that if we have hit everything he's done, we have him. We have a relationship with him. And I wanna to talk to you about two, uh, two aspects of peace that the angels are singing about, that they're lighting up heavens, the earth for, um, peace with him and the peace within. Okay, I wanna talk about peace, peace. So, uh, um, so this is what they sing. An angel, the multitude, so multitude, by the way, it's another word for like an army of angels show up and here's the song. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is well pleased, okay? Peace, I keep saying peace. How many of you, the last thing you, like, you feel right now is peace? You're like, I don't feel peace. Like you know, like even your Christmas dinners tomorrow are gonna be not peace. It's gonna be the worst, right? Everyone has like that crazy uncle who's like obsessed with the pipelines and all this kind of thing. Or we do, and we're like, ah, please help me. Where's the things? Um, or, you know, we all have that aunt who like judges everything. Oh, you guys use these plates? Like, yes, they're just plates. Aunt Susie, sorry if your name is Susie, um, right? She always smells like the front end of Sears, like every cologne, and I'm going in. Merry Christmas, family. Or the worst, here's the worst. You probably all have like nephews who are all like doing the Fortnite dances in the, while you're trying to like get dinner. So nothing but peace. It's not gonna be peaceful for many of you. Um, and uh, worse though, and, and I know this is heavier. I know that there's probably a few of you who don't have peace in your family relationships right now. And that's really hard. And, um, and uh, yeah, it's hard. maybe even in your own marriage right now, you're not feeling like there's peace. And, and, and maybe, Maybe God wants to speak into that area tonight and, um, and, I, and I pray he does. But one of the things you just need to know about Christmas is that peace, the peace that the angels are, are lighting up the sky and, and singing and are crazy for God about is that this peace, when we ever talk about peace, it's relational. Like the angels are coming to, to share with the world, you have a relational peace. Like the peace on earth is gonna be not just peace in circumstances, but a peace in, with God, like a peace in your soul that only God could fill. Like this is, this is the peace that they're screaming about. Now, if you were first century, like the Jewish nation, um, you would know from your Old Testament 
that the Messiah, what, what would mark the Messiah's coming was shalom. I mean, it was all throughout the Old Testament. I gave you a few scriptures. You can look in your handout now. Um, I hope you can see it. I'm sure you can. So in your handout, you'll see two of them. But, but here's two prophecies about what the Messiah would do and the kind of peace he would bring. And I want to show you because Jesus is not just a made-up thing 2,000 years ago. He's a fulfillment of something that's be- happened since the beginning of the world. He is really God and the only God. So Ezekiel 37, I will make a covenant, a relationship promise to you of peace. And it shall be an everlasting covenant with them. It's, a, it's an eternal peace. So this is what the Messiah will do. And then now, it's, it's 700 years before this day. Um, we, we actually found, I think in the 1940s, 50s, in the Qumran caves, whole manuscripts of Isaiah. So Isaiah dates back 700 years before the birth of Christ. And in that prophecy, um, listen to what Isaiah writes. It's also on your handout. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be on his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. I love that. Everlasting Father. And then what's this word? Prince of Peace. <clears throat> the new order, the life everyone was longing for, the life you were longing for, was upon them. But the, but the peace promised, the peace in God's heart was a relational peace. It was a relational peace. Now, now you may not hear this a lot in churches. Uh, and maybe you just come to church on Christmas Eve or Easter, which is fine. But you should come next week if you're here in town. Um, it's, it's a little counterintuitive, but it's radical and it's very important. And it's the, one of the biggest themes of the New Testament. And so you need to at least understand it if you're going to listen to Christianity. Um, you can especially see it in Paul's letter to Romans. Uh, it's called Romans to the, to the church in Rome uh, in chapters five to eight. And, and here's what it is. It's before we become a Christian, the Bible says uh, we hate God. Like, like, and now most of us would go, oh, I, don't, I don't think I would say I hate God. You might say, well, I feel disappointed with God or maybe I disbelieve in God. Uh, if you're an atheist, you'll be like, I'm just indifferent. There is no God. Um, but none of us, I think, if we stopped people and said, hey, what do you think about God? Like, are you, do you think by nature you hate God? I don't think anyone would be like, well, you know, now that you say it, yes. I think we just wouldn't know. We would think along those lines. But the Bible says we're, in fact, born uh, spiritually bent inward to um, want to love ourselves, want to be free. We believe the lie that we'll be happier if we're in control. And, and if anything threatens that, we, we, we respond. The Bible calls this, uh, many different ways, spiritually dead. That spiritually, you don't know the true God. You don't want the true God. If anything, you want to assert your own independence. So Paul says in Romans 8, the natural heart is an enmity towards God. It, um, yeah, there, and let me say it this way. That's not peace. Like if any human relationship, if you had that in your heart for someone, you wouldn't have peace. So there's this, there's this worldwide unable to have this peace until you have God. Um, let, let me show you this because you shouldn't believe what I'm saying. If, if, I'm, if what I'm not saying is not in this book, then don't listen to me. But let me show you this. So Ephesians chapter 2, it's actually in your handout as well. I'm going to read a few verses before it because I couldn't fit it all in there. Um, it's kind of like the spotlight. You can only get one. So verse 5, even when we were dead in our trespasses... 
So obviously he's not talking about physical death. Paul's saying when you're spiritually dead, in word trespasses just means sins. He earlier says following the course of the world, but then he says here, made, God made us alive together with Christ. He says, by grace you have been saved through faith. He says, this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works that no one may boast. Now you can see this in your handout. Verse 12, remember <clears throat> that you were at that time separated from Christ. Listen to the language here. It's, it's relational. Alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers of the covenants of promises. So you're separated, uh, alienated. He's speaking to the world who are not the Jewish nation and going, you Gentiles now have the gospel because the good news is for all people, but you didn't have that before. You were alienated before. But listen to what he says next, which applies to everyone in this room. Having no hope and without God in the world. This is my point. But here's what he says in verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near. This is relational. You now have a friendship. The curtain is torn where that separated people from, the, from God's presence. You, you, you've been brought near by the blood of Christ. Think about what the angels are singing. Like for unto you is born this day a savior by the blood of Christ. So let me explain this. On the cross, the blood of Christ, Jesus, bore our sin in our place. And what that means is in, a, is in a beautiful divine way, God put our sin, every time we ignored him or treated someone wrongly or should have done something that we know we should have done, but we didn't do it. He put our sin on Jesus and Jesus paid the penalty, death, spiritual death, separation, alienation from the father. And on the cross, he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He experienced what we should all experience because of our sin. Because on the cross, it wasn't Jesus' sin he was dying for. It was ours. And so on the cross, God the Father judged our sin in full on Christ. And when Christ rose again, it meant that it was paid. There's no more sin left. It's all been taken care of. There's no guilt. There's no condemnation. There's nothing. This is the good news that the angels are freaking out about because they know what he's going to do. It's good news of great joy. Amen. And then look at verse 14. He says, for he himself is our peace. So let me put it this way. The mark of a real Christian and not just a religious person, like the mark of a real Christian. So maybe you're here and you're like, how do I know I'm a real Christian? A real Christian comes to see that hostility in their heart. Like a real Christian will come to that moment where they see that separation, that alienation, and they'll realize this, not only have I done bad things, but all the good things that I've done, I know I've been doing for the wrong motivation. Really, I've been doing it to just assert my independence from God. Like the Christian says, here's what the Christian says, I need to be saved by grace. Like the Christian says, like, I need a savior. They say that you're, if you're a real Christian, you're like, this is great news. Like this is, this is great joy. 
Because, I, because even my good deeds, I know, again, we're not done for, for great reasons. I need to be saved by grace. And let me say this, when that happens, when that really happens in your life, everything changes. The, there's a peace treaty. All of a sudden, you, and if you're a Christian, you know exactly what I'm talking about. All of a sudden, him who is your peace comes in and the war is over. Like you, you're okay. You love God. All of a sudden you're awakened. You know you're forgiven. You know you're loved by the Father. You know that he's procured a salvation for you. You know it's all true and you just go, this is crazy. So, so, so let's rejoice tonight because if Christmas is true, then the peace we ultimately want is a relationship with God. And if Christmas is true, we have it. Well, you have it. Let me ask you this. Have you ever felt so loved by someone that when you got near them, you felt everything was gonna be okay? Like if you ever felt so loved and you were like, I just have peace around them. This is what God the Father's heart is like. There wasn't peace, he sent Jesus to make peace and now we have a relationship with him. And it's wonderful and it's amazing. Now you might be here thinking, okay, James, you know, you're preaching and people are leaving and you know, this is a little heavy. I thought it was Christmas Eve. Let's talk about sheep, sheep. I don't know what to say about sheep, like they're fuzzy. Um, or you might be thinking like, you know, I, I've, I've, I find peace all the time without God. You know, like I, uh, there's a lot of worldviews out there and they have peace and there's books on peace. And let, why can't we just say there's peace uh, if, as long as we love one another and we have relationships and, and, um, and look, there is peace in relationship. There's peace. God's given us great grace in peace. And, and Christianity would also agree with you that inordinate love about, around stuff and things does create problems and does create pain and grief. But it also teaches the answer to this is not to love things any less, but to love God more than anything else. So, so here's what I'm trying to say. There is a, 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 a part of your being that was meant for relationship, but a deeper relationship with your maker. This Christmas, God's purpose, the very first Christmas, this Christmas, God's purpose is to give you peace by being the most glorious person in your life. Like, let, let me say it this way. What's interesting about human relationships is that when we expect others to give us true peace, have you ever done this? Like, have you ever, maybe you have a girlfriend or like, you know, your spouse or uh, maybe it was even your dad or, you know, someone in your life, maybe it was a boss and you kind of thought they're gonna give me peace in my life or my kids, they will give me true peace and meaning. And have you ever like had that moment where you're like, it's just, I don't have any peace around them. And it, it's, it kind of fades. And really though, it's actually crushing because um, you can't really love them in that moment. If you expect people to give you the peace that only God can, like to fill you with the hope that only your soul was made to have in God, they can't do that. And if anything, you'll set them up to fail. Okay, now in your handout, everyone look at your handout. C.S. Lewis, he's written one of the greatest uh, paragraphs on this in his chapter on hope in mere Christianity. Let me read it to you. He says, most people if they have really learned to look into their own hearts. Okay, now that's what I'm urging you to do tonight. He says, most people, if they have really learned to look into their own hearts, would know that they do want and want acutely something that cannot be had in this world. There are all sorts of things in this world that offer to give it to you, 
but they never quite keep their promise. The longings which arise in us when we first fall in love or first think of some foreign country or first take up some subject that excites us are longings which no marriage, no travel, no learning can really satisfy. He says, I'm not now speaking of what would be ordinary called unsuccessful marriages or holidays or learned careers. I am speaking of the best possible ones. There was something we have grasped at in the first moment of longing, which just fades away in the reality. The wife may be a good wife and the hotels and scenery may have been excellent and chemistry, and this is a funny career, may be an interesting job, but something has evaded us. There's a peace within that only Jesus can bring. Now, I can, I can tell you from experience, uh, when, I, when I tried to build my peace on my wife, like my spouse, um, what happened in my heart was I would get really judgmental and kind of critical uh, because she wasn't giving me the peace I wanted all the time, classic, just kidding. Um, and, and, and what happened was, is I just, I realized I can't really love her because I'm expecting her to give me this kind of peace. I, she almost has too much power in, in my life. I was constantly feeling this need to be in control. And, and, and what happens, and I've seen this all the time because I've been a pastor for now like 11 years. Like if you, if you really put, you build your peace on your spouse, if something happens to them or something happens in the marriage, you crumble. You crumble and it's the same if you build your peace on family. Now, these are all good things. All I'm trying to argue right now is that the relational peace is not just meant to be this way. So, but if you build your peace on your kids and your family, and I have four kids and I love them, they, I don't build any peace on them, okay? But if you try to, which you can, worst thing, you, you'll try to live your life through them. Uh, you won't do this intentionally, but you'll end up abusing them. And here's why, because they have to be good. They have to be right. They have to love you. If they don't love you, you don't have peace. How many of you parents, you're like, if they don't love me, I don't, want, what's my purpose in life? And, and, and I'm just, it's just not here. And yes, God gives us joy and peace in it all, but, but Jesus says it so plainly to his disciples. This is hours before his crucifixion. He says this, peace, I leave with you. And then he says, my peace. I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give to you, not as the world gives. He says that sentence, my peace I give, not as the world gives. Yes, there's everyday peace in the grace of God, but the peace he's telling his disciples is in Jesus. The peace that will come into your life and bring real peace will be having Jesus within. And it's, it's, it's a whole different kind of peace. If, if the basis of your peace is, is that you are loved in Jesus despite you, then you can't lose that because of you. If you're accepted because of what he's done and you're loved by the Father through him, you can't lose that. You, you can kind of actually be the person who goes out into the world and can admit your flaws. You can because your peace isn't built on you and your identity and your success and accolades, or you can admit you were wrong because your peace is not built on you. You're totally free. So, so uh, let me just ask you tonight, and we'll, we'll, we'll close here in a second, but do you, do you have his peace? Like, do you know what I'm talking about tonight? Or, or if you don't, like, or maybe you kind of do, when was the last time you've really talked to the Lord and said, you really are my peace? 
Like, where have I, well, how come I haven't like brought you deeper into my life in that? Like, how come I haven't abided in you? See, some of us, I really think need to take this serious tonight. Like, like the God of peace, like he, he has peace. He is peace. Like the angels did come and sing, he's here. Like we have him. Like if you're a Christian, you have peace. And I, and I don't wanna minimize what you're going through because I, I don't know what you're going through and I can't imagine some of the heartache that is in this room. But can I just say perhaps so much of your focus is too much on you or the worship of your problem. I know that sounds weird, like no one worships their problems. But if like, have you ever met that person? Like if, you know, if you just wrote problem up here, every time you like meet them, they're always like problem, 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 problem. Most of my life is a problem, problem. And you're like, every time I talk to them, it's always, there's something wrong. And, and, and it's almost like you, you meet, you have no peace and you're building, why? We're building our peace on things that won't and can't give us him. If, if Christianity is true and Jesus rose from death, it would mean you were meant to have a relationship with him. Like if Christmas really happened, he would be what the angels were singing he was and is peace on earth. And I wanna ask you like, what are you building your peace on tonight? Because maybe this Christmas, even in the next few songs as we sing, you need to have a conversation with Jesus and go, be my peace. Like I want my peace to be gazing on the glory of you, God. Perhaps you need to ask the Holy Spirit tonight for a supernatural encounter with Jesus Christ. Because listen to the words of Paul. It's on your sheet there in Philippians 4. By the way, who's in prison, has been beaten, um, has lost everything, has had people abandon him. He speaks of a real peace that God himself can give you. He says this, do not be anxious. You can see it in your notes about anything, okay? That's not easy. But in everything, by prayer, that's relationship. What is prayer? Prayer is talking to God. So you, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And then he says this, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your minds where? In Christ Jesus, because that's where you're going for your peace. Peace is not in you and I trying hard to get God in our control. Peace is not us doing more good deeds so that God will like us somehow a little bit more than he did yesterday. Or if we just pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and try a little harder and hang on a little longer, then we'll get peace. That's not having peace. Peace is in our ability to lay down all of our trying, all of our effort, all of our anxiety and strength and say, I trust in Jesus. I trust in his perfection and his life and his death for me and his resurrection because he's the only one who can get me through this and he's the only one who can make me free. That's peace. So on Thursday, I'm in my office and I get a phone call from a friend I haven't talked to for like two to three months and it's devastating. So he calls me and he says, hey, James, can you pray for me? I'm like, yeah, are you okay? He's like, not really. I think um, I might die in the next few weeks. And I said, what? He's like, yeah, I just finished my master's and um, I found out that I need a triple bypass surgery, two of my arteries. One, one is 100% closed. The other one's like close to 90% closed. 
and they, they have me doing surgery on December 30th and I might not live till that date. And I just was like, like, I know this guy. His name's Adrian. And, and I said, man, I don't know what to say. Like, how are you doing emotionally? And here's what he said. He said, I know God loves me. Like that sentence came from him. And then he said, I know God is sovereign. That, that word means God was not surprised. He was absolutely in control. And he said, of course I'm scared, but I know God is with me. And I said, do you have peace? And he said, yeah. So, I mean, how? How, how can we trust him today? How can you trust him that the things around us are for our good? How can Adrian say sentences like that? How, how do we get rid of this fear? Do you know what the answer is? The answer is that the baby that was born in the manger that day was the Lord. It was the Lord. Can I, can I ask you if, if uh, you're a Christian, you know, just a challenging question. Um, are you known for being a peacemaker? Like, is that what you're known for? Like, as a Christian, like, would you, like, you know, on your family Christmas dinners and stuff, are you the person they are like, I don't know what's happening, but they, they, just, like, they just have so much peace with them. Like, your life is really hard, right? Like, how are you doing that? Or how come you're not mad at mom for this? You just seem to want to be forgiving, and you have all this peace. You make peace, and like, what is happening? And you're just going, look, look you have no idea. I used to treat God so horribly, and I used to ignore him and, and push him out of my life, and he just kept loving me. And I just, I have this peace, and it's from him. Like, is, this, is that how you're known? Like, when you show up, and you're, half of your family is not believers. Are you, are you known for, you're the peacemaking guy. You got to go talk to Shane. He's got so much peace. I mean, is that, is that what, is that what happens in your life? Is that what they see? Like when your enemies confront you, people are like, how are you still friends with them? Because you got, you got, you got to know my God. Are we known for being peacemakers? And maybe you're here and, and, and you've come to get something. Like, you know, maybe you're actually, you're not here to get something. But you know, while I was talking, you kind of had that like, okay, if God's real, then maybe he'll give me something tonight. Um, by the way, you should pray that. But um, if that's you, and maybe your marriage is ready to tank, or you're, you're feeling really lonely and no one knows, like nobody knows and they should know, you should tell someone. Um, but you, you know, you still go out and you have friends but it's really lonely and you're going, please, I just want something tonight just to heal me in that moment. Um, I wanna pray for you but I also wanna tell you, I, you're asking for too little because Jesus is offering an eternal, real peace that is with you in the storm, that will never leave you. And it's supernatural. And I can't create that up here, but he can. And he really is alive. And what you need to do is you need to ask him this, okay? Because I was, I remember I grew up in a Christian home and 
didn't believe and pushed God out of my life. And I remember someone came to me and said, if he's real, you know you have to give him your whole life. And I said, no, I know. And he said, I dare you to ask God if he's real, come into my life. And I said, okay, I got, I got nothing to lose. And so I remember praying one day, okay, God, if you're real, you can come into my life and change me. And in the next two to three weeks, he did. And I, I don't know if you're, if you're not a Christian here, but I just, I dare you. Like, I dare you tonight at some point to go, okay, God, if you're real, show up. Like, show me. Flex. Do something. Pray that. Because if Christmas is true, you need him. And he's so, he's like, listen, we don't just like, we don't just like worship. We actually really like Jesus. Like, we love Jesus. Like I wake up in the morning and I talk to Jesus. I really love him. He's wonderful. We love actually singing about him. So if you're like, who's this? He, we really like Jesus because he's really God. And he loves you and he's here. And, and, and his purpose is to give you peace by being the most glorious person in your life. So let me close by saying this sentence. If you want peace to rule in your life, Jesus must rule in your life. If you want peace to rule in your life, Jesus must rule in your life. 